This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Since getting back into radio on SiriusXM in October of 2014, I've had the pleasure of talking to and interviewing some dynamic people. One of the most impactful human beings I've ever had the pleasure of speaking with was Jane Elliott. She's the former third grade teacher from Iowa who conducted something called the brown eye, blue eye exercise. Let me get that right because <laughs> she straightened me out on it. It's not an experiment. It's an exercise that she kicked off in her class April 5th, 1968, the day after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. What she discovered will chill you that racism, it is so woven into the fabric of this country, into our minds, into our very psyches, that it is almost impossible to eradicate. But she spent the last 50 years of her life fighting that fight, and I love her immensely. I call her cousin Jane. Well into her 80s, she has all of the fight and piss and vinegar. She has all of the fight of anyone uh, a third her age, and she is not tired confront racism wherever it is in the world. And this is my interview, part two of my interview with Jane Elliott, and I hope you enjoy. So there were no cameras in this ninth grade class, uh, this third grade classroom of nine-year-olds, uh, April no. 5th, two th- uh, what was it, 1968, April, April 5th, 1968, 50 years uh, ago. There were there were no cameras there. So so how did, the, how did word spread of what you were doing and when did the backlash? How long did it take for the backlash? So you did this every year? <laughs> no, I did every year. Oh, yeah. I, we did the exercise on Friday. I sent the kids home on Friday night. I was afraid to go home. I was sure there'd be a cross burning in my front yard because I knew, so you knew. I was going to break. You home. knew it was going to be a problem. Oh, I knew it was going to be a problem immediately. There was no doubt about that. But the teacher's attitudes at the lunchroom were just, it was like, okay, here we go now. Now she's going to lose her job. That was, that was the impression I got from them. Now we finally found a way to get you out of here. So I went to my mother's hotel, told her what was happening. She said, Jane, you better be careful. You don't want to end up where Aunt Eunice did. I said, where did Aunt Eunice end up? In the middle institution. What I was describing happening in my classroom sounded insane. But what I had done was create a microcosm of society in my third grade classroom. And this society is insane. I finally went home. No parent called me. No, no administrator called me. Nobody complained. That scared me. Why didn't kids go home and complain about this? Or if they did, did their parents figure out I was going to clean it up? Or maybe they didn't talk about it because they were afraid I'd get fired. We really liked one another, those kids and I. On Monday, I went into the, back into school. I reversed the exercise, and the most amazing thing happened. I expected those blue-eyed kids to get even with the brown-eyed kids because that's what they had said they would do. They were less vicious to the browns than the browns had been to them. And when it was over, I asked those kids why they didn't get even, and they said, because we didn't want to make anybody feel the way we felt the first mm. day. I considered that education. So I had the kids, before we discussed it, I had the kids write four-paragraph compositions telling who Martin Luther King Jr. was, how the child felt on Friday, how the child felt on Monday, and what discrimination is. When they had finished their essays, we got in the magic circle, and they all read their essays. They all wanted to read those essays. They were absolutely remarkable, what they said. Somebody sent those to, uh, to I 
I asked the, the uh, editor of the local paper if he would print our essays, and he said he would. So he printed them, and then somebody got a copy of that and sent it to the Johnny Carson show. And that's how it got out of my classroom. Johnny Carson called, and Johnny Carson himself called, which was really funny, and asked me if I would come in and do the Johnny Carson show. Amazing. Which I did. Amazing. And that's when it got, well, that's when it got. National of, oh, my goodness. I had never realized that people would write those things on paper. 30% of the letters we got were so vicious that I couldn't show them my students. Well, give us uh, some insight. into Because this is the thing that baffles me most, Jane Elliott. And we're talking with Jane Elliott here on the Karen Hunter Show. Our number here is 866-801-8255. The thing that baffles me the most is the anger, the pure anger and hatred that people have just by having conversations, just by, like you said, the president encouraging black kids to to be their full selves just by you know some some kids at west point showing a symbol of solidarity why are people so angry about it i don't understand the anger because if they're right if those black kids are right if i'm right then white folks are wrong white folks can't admit that they're wrong we cannot admit that we're we're wrong and and if you it's (laughs) we celebrate columbus day even though he didn't discover america we teach a map. We use the Peter's project, the uh, Mercator projection map, which is a false picture of the size, the shape, and the location of the land masses on the face of the Earth. It is the, the equator on that map is two thirds of the way down the map. But we use that map because Mercator was commissioned by the Pope to make a map that showed the, pre- the spread of Christianity, and we have been using that thing since the middle 1500s. It's totally ridiculous. We have no business doing that. We have no business deliberately miseducating children in classrooms every day of the year. But we do, and we get paid for it. And parents pay a lot of money to have their children miseducated. At what, at what end, though? I mean, ignorance is not bliss at that level when you are just ignorant. Ignorance is bliss if you're white and you've got the power, and if you don't believe it, listen to Donald Trump. That's blissful ignorance. Make no mistake about that. My dad would say about him, if that man was half as smart as he thinks he is, he'd be twice as smart as he is. <laughs> yeah, now if you put that to the numbers, you put some numbers on that. He thinks he's genius. That's 140 IQ. You cut that in half and that's 70. You cut that in half and that's 35. Now that's a really insulting thing to say about anyone. A vicious, ugly thing to say. But, sure. but, this, is, but, but this is the truth where this person is concerned. Yeah. Eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. I want to get back to the exercise um, and the the horrific ways in which people um, responded to you after Johnny, even after Johnny Carson. Which I would think, you know, Johnny Carson was an icon. Johnny Carson was, you know, a national treasure. Going on Johnny Carson should have made you a rock star in in your town in Iowa. <laughs> made me a pariah in my hometown, let me tell you. But it did do one thing interesting. Uh, in the, the nearby community, a man in a nearby community called me and asked me if I would come and address their their uh, Rotary Club luncheon because I had been on the Johnny Carson show. <laughs> so I said, well, shall we put him through the exercise? He said, yeah, let's put him through the exercise. So we did. And then I just, you know, all hell broke loose. Those men were so furious. And I, I did it very calmly and very sweetly and very 
innocently and very unwisely. And one of those men who was blue-eyed was so angry that when he saw me at a Masonic meeting several years later, 20 years later, when my husband was invited to join the Masons, he started toward the table at which I was sitting. And he said, I know exactly who you are. And he's pointing his finger at me. He's just furious. I've never forgotten you, and I've never forgiven you either. I said, what's going on here? What do I do? He said, I'm blue-eyed. I said, you're a Rotarian. He says, yes, I am, and I never want to be in the same room with you. Well, the man was 70 years old by this time. And you stripped him of everything that he held to believe about Every, himself. Yes, yes, because I let him know that if I treated you the way you treat women, and people with disabilities, and members of the LGBT communities, and people of other colors, colors other than white, you would act exactly the way you accuse women and people of those other colors of acting. And I could do it to you in 15 minutes flat. And I did it to you in June of 1968. And he knew I was thinking that because that's, that's exactly what happened. And I just told him he was inferior because of the color of his eyes. We have had people in one corporation that I worked with, we would have people, blue-eyed people come in wearing brown contact lenses for the day. Because <laughs> they knew? Yes, because somebody told them what was going to happen. So they went to the expense and the discomfort of wearing blue-eyed, brown-eyed, brown contact lenses for the day during the exercise. They cheated just so that they could feel superior. They just could not bear to think of being treated the way they treat other people on a daily basis. Amazing. Amazing. Yes. And this, this week I talked to a group of, of uh, fourth graders, I think, fifth graders, and I said to the group, well, every person who considers himself or herself a member of the white race stand, they all stood, black race stand, brown race stand, yellow race stand, red race stand, I said, now, look all around you. Now, will every person in this room who considers himself or herself a member of the human race sit down? They all sat down at once. I said, I just made my point. You're all members of the same race, but the human race, race is made up of different color groups. There are 2,500 different color skin colors on the face of the earth. I defy you to come up with 2,500 different names for races. And this podcast is brought to you by Care Of. And you can go to TakeCareOf.com, use my code Karen30 for 30% off. 30% off what, you ask? Vitamins, proteins, and more. And they personalize it just for you. You just have to take a quiz. It takes about five minutes. And they'll ask you questions about your health and your goals, if you're working out, uh, if you're getting enough sleep, if you're getting enough sleep. And then at the end, they will give you a regimen. And it will then be delivered straight to your door. Everything that you need, packaged perfectly, so every day's lined up. And uh, let me just say this because I didn't realize it at the end, but some of the pro product, some of the products have um, soy. Some of the products have soy. Some have gluten. So make sure you're specific that if you don't want soy or gluten, tell them that you're allergic to it because that's what I did. But check it out. Um, it's really innovative. It's cr it's great for those of us who are on the go and we need to you know get our vitamins in and our nutrients. It's nice to have a program that actually considers you individually because not every vitamin is made the same. So check out TakeCareOf.com. Enter Karen30 for 30% off your first purchase. TakeCareOf.com. Enter Karen30 for 30% off your first order. Give yourself support this season with a boost, whether you're looking for energy, better sleep, to maintain stress, or something else to help you feel your healthiest. TakeCareOf.com. Karen30. Isn't necessary. Just call us all the human race and different color groups, which works for me. So, 
give us some encouragement because I'm going to have you back on many, many, many times. I, I, I want to be your best friend, Jane Elliott. You'll probably you... lose your job. Be careful. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I don't worry about that. I'm as fearless as you are. You may be in your 80s, but I'm 99 in my spirit. So, uh, so I'm just, I'm just as, uh, uh, you know, fearless as it relates to this because I think it's way too important, and we can't be cowards. We don't have any time to be cowards. We got to talk about these things very, very boldly. Give us some encouragement as we face the uh, the prospects of a President Donald Trump and the climate that he brings. Give us some encouragement of 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 ways in which we can reach those people for whom he has awakened some power base and made people feel really good about themselves and 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 made them emboldened to to enact the hatred that they seem to have. Give us some encouragement today, Jane Elliott. Well, he isn't going to become president of the United States. Don't worry about that. Okay. And make it make sure make, make damn sure that doesn't happen by getting every single human being that is old enough to vote to the polls. If you have to drive your car 52 times back and forth to the polls, you take every human being that you think might vote for another human being to the polls. We have to prevent his getting the presidency, and we can if we choose to. We can keep that from happening. We can say this, this we will not tolerate. You all remember that during when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, within six months we had munitions in place to to fight and to win that war. You have to bring people together and say, this, this is a danger to our country. This man could be a disaster for our country. We have to see to it that this does not happen. We have to stop this. He has a right to be whatever he wants to be, but not to be the president of the United States when he does not like about two-thirds more than that, because half the people, in the, half the citizens in the United States are women. And he has said nothing but nasty things about women. Mm-hmm. A third of them are now are people of colors other than white. We cannot allow a man who wants to be president of the United States who has said things that indicate that he doesn't like people of color who are other than white. We have to keep this from happening. If we were at war, we would marshal all our forces, and we would see to it that we won that war. We are at war at this point. Wow. We are, we're at war for the human spirit in this country, as far as I'm concerned. At war for the human spirit. I couldn't agree with you more. Let me take one call, and uh, then we're going to let you go. 866-801-8255. Max in Nebraska, thanks for holding your arm with Jane Elliott. Thank you so much for taking the call. Jane Jane Elliott is loved in Omaha, Nebraska. I've been doing what I do for about 40 years, and that is civil rights law enforcement. On occasion, we have individuals to assemble to talk about uh, fairness in employment housing and places of public accommodations. So we use a facet of uh, her uh, blue-eyed, brown-eyed exercise with grown-ups and it's just as effective. Yeah, you can't you can't have people, grown up people, watch that and not say to themselves, "Would I act like that if somebody was doing that to me?" And when they watch those little kids, invariably, somebody says to me after they've seen the film, "How could you do that to those poor little white children for a day?" And I say, "If you're concerned about the damage that is done to little nine-year-old white children for a day of that exercise, you must be absolutely infuriated by what is happening to people of other colors other than white in this country for a lifetime. And in some places, we don't stop with you after you're dead." because we won't bury you inside the fence at the cemetery. 
And you know it, and I know it. And that's because of white fright. We are scared to death of people who are other than white. Because we have, we have told these, we have built this horrible myth around those who are other than white. What's the and we are forcing, what? we're forcing black children to live down to our, our expectations of them every day in, the, in this country, in schools all over the United States. We are forcing black children to live down to white teachers' expectations of them and to black teachers' expectations yes. of them who believe the same things. What's the fear, Jane Elliott? The fear is that, that in fact, well, you have to read the book Killers of the Dream by, I can't remember the author's name, but read the book Killers of the Dream, and then you'll, under, you'll understand what this is all about. But before you read that, read the book The Myth of Race by Robert Wald Sussman, mm-hmm. S-U-S-S-M-A-N. Yes. Every person listening to this interview should read that book because it absolutely <laughs> it tells you in no uncertain terms that there's only one race. It's the human race, and the myth of race was invented, created, deliberately created to keep one group on top and one group on the bottom. And I didn't realize, I thought I knew about expectations, but until I watched brown-eyed dyslexic boys read words they couldn't read and spell words they couldn't spell the day they were on the top in that blue-eyed bright on exercise that first time, I didn't know about expectations. On the other hand, Carol, the Lutheran minister's daughter, sixth grade reading level when she came in to me, made mistakes in reading, made mistakes in spelling, and forgot how to multiply the days she was on the bottom in that exercise. Amazing. Amazing. Yes, it's not only amazing, it's frightening. Frightening, amazing, sobering. What's worse, your experiment with the nine-year-olds or the college students? Oh, remember, it wasn't an experiment with you. I'm sorry, exercise, exercise, I can't stop. All right, sorry. I expect brown-eyed people to be able to assimilate knowledge closer, faster than you are, the word experiment. I know, I know. I do have brown (laughs) eyes, so, yeah, I should be be way better than this. This is terrible. What's the difference between the college students and the little kids? College students are able to understand it and realize what's happening immediately and apply it for the rest of their lives. Little kids get an understanding of it, but it's mostly at the emotional level. It, but they, it changes them. It literally changes the way they live the rest of their lives. And I kid you not about this. It's, it is my daughter, my sister. My sister substituted at the junior high level for several times after I had done the exercise at the third grade level. And she said the first week she was there, she said there's something different about one group of those seventh graders. She said they don't act the way the rest of them do. Their language is different. Their vocabulary is mm. different. They're, they're, the way they walk is different. I don't know what it is. So one day... One day you changed the entire trajectory of their lives. Um, you know, as, as you've done this over the last 50 years, the biggest disappointment and the biggest surprise, because you, you do it, you know, like you said, for you were doing it in, in corporations, you, you've done it with college kids, you've done it with grade schoolers. What's been the biggest surprise or the biggest disappointment? The biggest surprise was when the Canadian film crew came down and filmed my kids the second year I did the exercise, filmed the kids during the exercise. They sent me a copy of that film, and I showed it to my father. My father must have been 57, 58 years old at the time. I had never seen him cry since the day my little sister died at the age of three. And on the day I showed him that film, with tears in his eyes, he said, I wish somebody had taught me that when I was nine years old. Now, he recognized that he could have lived a life without being prejudicial where skin color was concerned if somebody had taught him that when he was nine years old. The biggest surprise is that people don't understand 
white folks don't understand. And they keep right on saying, when I see people, I don't see people as black or brown or red or yellow. I just see people as people. They never put the word white in there. They keep on saying, I'm colorblind. We need a colorblind society. We don't need a colorblind society. We need a society that is no longer blinded by skin color. But we keep on making these ignorant statements. As this one woman said to me, I don't dislike black people. When I see one, I just say to myself, there but for the grace of God go I. That is the single most insulting and offensive and disgusting statement I have ever heard. God loved her, so God made her white. And she firmly believes that. That always surprises me. Every time it happens, it surprises me. Because it's usually coming out of somebody who teaches Sunday school. <laughs> will you... Will you... Who sees the baby Jesus as looking like the Pillsbury Doughboy. When he was born in the Middle East, and he had feet of bronze and kinky woolly hair. Go on, what's your question? Will you will you continue <laughs> to come back on the show and be like our, our resident uh, keep people in line person? Well... After you get the letters and emails, no, no, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have you on. I want, I want you. I need you on monthly just to keep me, keep me sane because you know some di- some days I wonder what in the hell did I wake up to and what kind of world is this and it you and wake it up to ignorance. Yeah, ignorance but it, but it, it's contagious. It's contagious and it seems to be rampant and I don't see a cure for it. I wish I could spray people with some Jane Elliott truth juice. I'm gonna well, get to my bottle it. If, if we can't cure cancer, we sure aren't going to be able to cure racism unless we work harder at it and spend more money at it. If we would spend as much money on curing racism as we do on spend, on curing cancer, we could cure racism in two generations. We could cure it. racism. I, love I know it. that. Jane Elliott, I love you. Thank you for being here. That was part two of my very first interview with Jane Elliott. I've since spoken with her several times on my radio show and beyond, and she is still an incredible woman, damn near 90 years old and, in, and is not giving up. So what is our problem? If you get tired, just think about this woman and how she every day gets up to battle injustice anywhere that it is, and we don't have any excuses. I hope you enjoyed. Let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter at Karen Hunter again on Sundays. I'm answering questions with the hashtag podcast at Karen Hunter. Ask me anything. I'm here for it. Till next time.